Hey guys, today I have my friend um, Craig Walker, and I started following his Instagram uh, years ago, maybe six, eight years ago, um, and I was like, I don't always understand this guy, <laughs> but he, uh, he's got something about him. He's an interesting guy, um, and he says some good stuff, and uh, his page is called Tribe of Impasse, and I was like, oh, I've heard that word empath, and um, maybe maybe I'm an empath, so I'm gonna follow this guy. Um, and uh, years later, I uh, one of his posts I, I was interesting, and I was trying to uh, I was commenting on on the post, and it's like there there's trying to understand it better. And then um, you know he started messaging me, and he even checked out my blog, and so I could see that he was really taking an interest and um, going beyond what normal. Um, social media interaction was and I thought you know this is something really special and uh, you know we um, decided to have a video chat and kind of talk about our uh, spiritual journeys and um, we connected it and then uh, he started a, a class and I took that class and um, then about a year later <laughs> recently had a workshop and um, yeah so that that's how I met Craig and so um, Craig, do you want to kind of introduce yourself and what you're all about? Yeah, sure. Um, thank you for the, yeah, for the, for the intro. And I chuckle, um, you say that, you know, you don't always know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll watch, I'll listen to, uh, sometimes I get into these rants and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, that's usually what happens with me if I get on social media. I just did a, re I just did a several videos yesterday, um, and then I was watching them last night and I was like, geez, Craig, you sure are fortunate, fortunate that some people like to listen to <laughs> your rant because it really is hard to keep me on a short leash, uh, if you will, because I really like to let my imagination go. Um, oh, you can say uh, contemplation, not rants necessarily. Rant, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah my, it's, it's an a, a, a affectionate term, I guess, by by rant meaning it's something that I I care deeply about, and then I get emotional about, then my imagination mm -hmm. kicks in, and then um, usually it has something to do with um, what are we, what am I, what is this, what's happening in the world? Well, I just woke up another day after a you know nice long sleep, and and what so you know putting trying to put myself together. Uh, on another day and, and uh, what is it that maybe makes life joyous? Mm. So, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and taking some of my, um, just as, you know, plodding along in life, you know, what, what seems to really work, you know, for me is, you know, good people and meaningful relationships and, and in that, um, you know, what, what in that, maybe what, it, why, why good people and good relationships is just some, some warmth, you know, that comes up through me and the actual experience of feeling by, by, by a small group of people, you know, feeling seen mm -hmm. and feeling recognized. Um, and then of course, you know, sleep and diet and exercise and things. Um, and then, and, and, and meaningful work. And, uh, and by that, I think it, it still ends up tying back to my, my question as to what, you know, what am I doing here? What is this all about? And, um, you know, honestly, Kendall, I, I had a number of experiences that I, I would in retrospect call spiritual in nature, you know, mm -hmm. as a kid, but at that point I was just still just kind of living, living my life. And, and 
But then after, I think in late teens, I had uh, a couple of experiences that involved psychedelics, one with LSD and another one that was probably the most profound was with um, a handful of mushrooms. And, and I, I think to, to narrow that all the way down, what I, I think what I realized was that I had been up until that point, really believing that um, I was exclusively this kind of separate living entity in my body and liking, I don't even think Harry Potter was out yet, but liking stories like that, like Harry Potter and Star mm-hmm. Wars and uh, where there was this kind of mystical realm or energetic realm. Like I, there was, there was a kind of romantic maybe experience uh, that I, dreamed about you know having and then all of a sudden um having this experience that was again i'm you know i feel like i hear this from so many people when they talk about their a psychedelic experience or or even like a psychic break or something it's like oh my gosh there's something even more real and palpable mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. this experience than how i live the rest of the, how I've, I've lived up until now and me looking a little bit you know th- then well, looking at that statement, I was, well, how can that be true? How can you have something that feels even more real? <laughs> and for me, that the, 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 I had to leave myself a breadcrumb trail. I was in that experience. I was, I was, you know, on this, these, you know, mushrooms. And I was like, and I realized like, okay, this is so profound for me on, on many levels, how I've said these mushrooms are going to wear off in the matter mm-hmm. of an hour or two. How am I going to remember this tomorrow? Right. I'm going to go back into my, go back into my, just in, into my, my body. I'm going to go back into the momentum of my thoughts in my daily life and what it is that I think I need to do in life. And, and whether it's college or, you know, getting this job so that I can then buy a house so that I can then get a wife and then I can have kids and then I can then, you know, have cars and, and things. But this, what I'm learning right now in this experience, that's going to be so, so it's soon to be over how am I going to remind myself of what I'm learning right now about what I, what I am mm. and what I'm not. And that realizing that this, that I, I had been living in, in this state of confusion, I think about understanding what was happening around me and in me. And, and I, I realized like I was probably going to go right back into that state of confusion the next day. And so how could I, um, it was almost like I'd been living underwater and the mushrooms had given me a, a, a just a short lift up and I was up mm. breathing air, looking around and seeing so clearly and I was about to go back underwater. Mm. And my my breadcrumb trail that I said I left for, my, for myself was, um, well, when I was in that experience, I was asking myself, what is this? How can How can I distill it to the most? the fewest words in the core of what this experience is so that no matter where, where I am later in life, if I'm lost or confused or in pain or suffering and just at wit's end and I'm feeling just so isolated, what's the shortest path back to this experience? Mm-hmm. Where I do feel included and mm-hmm. included in this, whatever this magical mystery that also involves a lot of pain and suffering to life, mm-hmm. you know, maybe how, how can I give myself meaning again, if I'm ever, 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 I'm so feel like I'm so far from it. And, and I stood there and I just, and I was basically dialoguing with myself, which was one really interesting um, it, it, it part aspect of that experience is that 
I was dialoguing with, with the part of myself that was, that was deeply down rooted in my body hmm. that was like a knowing and, and, and the part of me that was up here in my head that was thinking was that, that part up there, it thinks and works and, and, and language and, and stuff. And it, it understands things. It likes to understand things, but I, I noticed quickly it's like, oh, there's a difference between the part of me that knows that there's a knowing that's very calm and in just embedded in silence and versus the part of me that's up in my head that's that lives on understanding that's never silent it's just mm -hmm. buzzing 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 thinking generating creating imagining and sometimes fretting <laughs> right and so what that my what my knowing responded to my question with when I asked it, like, how am I going to remember this? It, it said, it looked around or I looked around and was like, well, I'm just being. And then, and then I, so I sat with that. It's like, all right, just, just, just be. And I, and I felt like, yep, that's good, but that's not quite enough. So I kept looking. I was like, well, I'm here. So I'm just be here. And I was like, well, that, that got me back into it. That, that gave, got me back into the gap between my thoughts. Hmm. And so as I found the gap between my thoughts, I dropped back down into the body and into this present moment. And the last S, the last word that came to me, because I didn't be here, didn't feel like quite enough. And the next word that came to me was now, was be here now. And something about stacking those, the meaning behind those three words together, when I use that as a, as a, as a reminder, like Craig, you feel like shit, you know, be here now. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I, I gave that to myself and then I, I, it didn't, it hasn't always worked Kendall. Like it's, <laughs> but it was a, it's, it's really had, has, um, gave me what I felt like for the kind of the first time in my life was a, was a, was a true North. Um, mm. but there's something embedded in this now moment that is um there's a there's a the core of of who i am or why i'm i'm here and that you know when i then weeks later years later i'd go i'd say be here and out of myself I was like i don't even i don't i know that had i don't know what that means All right um you forget so easily so so easily and then and then um there's so much momentum with thoughts and agenda and the thing and the mm. to-do list and the things that you know we have to do especially when you start stacking school and debt and family and kids mm -hmm. um the actual action and this is what i went uh, this is this is what i i you know decades later um started to 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 learn first in observing um well, no, first, first, actually the hands of a, of a chiropractor and who was a yoga instructor and a chiropractor that he, years later, he touched me so lightly in my, in my, around my, my, uh, neck. And then again, like around my tailbone when he was working on me and, and, uh, I don't know what the heck he was doing because it wasn't, didn't seem like he was doing anything. <laughs> um, but the result was I was, I was back in the moment, like, quietly sitting in the moment my body was resting it was in stillness and i was outside of pain there was no pain happening and and mm. and it seemed like all the all the times before that when i would have said craig be here now i would have had in maybe a, a split second glimpse 
of here now. But then quickly, my attention, my focus was taken back to the to-do list, which the to-do list is in the future, hmm. right? And then, and, it, and it's also in the past. My bills are in the, our bills are maybe something that's already arrived. So, you know, my, what I realized is my brain was balancing, was bouncing all around between these things that needed to be done, none of which were in the present moment. And so what I realized after that experience with this chiropractor years later was there was something that he did, something in that touch that allowed my brain to drop all of its agendas, all the things on that to-do list. And then, so it dropped it, but then it did something with its focus. The brain did something with its focus instead of resting it all the time on this to-do list, it rested itself in a couple specific spots in my body mm. that then created this, this experience of, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm actually in the moment and the moment's lasting. I'm actually in this present moment, but it's an, it's an enduring experience. Like I'm here and I'm still here and I'm, and I'm being, and I'm, I can actually sit in the state of being and that that was a real critical piece that in the past I couldn't ever figure out. I couldn't figure out how do I get to the moment? You know, that's one of the, the complaints or one of the, maybe the struggles that I've heard people, including myself talk about around meditation is how do I stop the monkey mind? I'm getting whipped all around by the mind. So just sitting by myself quietly, it can be one of the most excruciating things because <laughs> You're just sitting there with this runaway movie. That's why so many people don't like meditation. <laughs> yeah. And where's the gap? Where's the, where's the gap between the thoughts? Where's that secret um, portal is what I call them. Or anybody that remembers Harry Potter. Like It was one of the first Harry Potter movies where the, the train, I think mm -hmm. it's in like the Muggleville, whatever the train stops at, at station six and two thirds or something. Mm -hmm. And there's this. I think it's nine and three quarters six and three quarters or nine and three quarters. Something like that. Yeah. And yeah, there's this, there's this secret doorway that opens up. And if you know how to find the doorway, you step through it into this world where it's still here. And it's almost very much more here now, hmm. but more here now. But then there's these, sometimes these powers, these insights that you recognize that you have that Harry Potter recognized he has, and all the wizards at, the, at Hogwarts recognized mm -hmm. they had some sort of powers um, that comes with this ability to really penetrate the present moment in a way um, that, well, hmm. But it, it, it's almost the difference in what, you know, what people talk about in awakening, right? Like you don't need people, like I didn't realize prior to those mushrooms that I was, that I was asleep, right. Mm. That, that, it, um, and I may be, you know, to some great degree right now asleep, right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. In fact, I, I think you and I have talked about like in the course of these, the three, the three uh, main states of consciousness, the waking and the dreaming and the deep dreamless, they're all happening right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And that there's something to do with the body, with the breath with the position of maybe the spine or the spinal cord mm -hmm. itself, which is where the, the lower part of the brain is. And that when, when the breath and the spinal cord, they start to interact in a particular way, 
the brain is actually able to silence the agenda and silence the bouncing of the focus. And the bouncing of the focus up and down that to-do list keeps the body and keeps the, responding to something that's outside of time. That's Well, excuse me, that's in time, that's in the future or in the past. Mm-hmm. And so after all of these decades of searching um, and stumbling across, you know, seeking out people that not only could talk a good story, but they were actually able to help produce in me that experience that I had been long seeking to kind of recreate, if you will, was the be here now experience where I was able just to, I'm able just to sit um, in my, in my being and recognize if I'm having a thought, who that thought is for. Mm. That makes sense. Like I'm, right. I'm able to, who's the thinking for? And if I'm able to recede, um, is it, you know, I, I, we were on the screen here, so I'm seeing you have with a puzzled, puzzled look. And um, yeah, right. so I, I, I think uh, one 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 way to describe it, um, going back to what you were saying, um, is uh, like alpha, delta, gamma brainwave states, and um, in doing research and realizing that, you know. It, when we go to sleep, we go in these different phases, but we can accomplish that in meditation as well while being awake. And then you can also do that while just living your life. I know it's, it's hard to do, but it is possible. So I think that's one way to uh, for people to understand a little bit better. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but going back to what you just said about um, who the thinking is for, and I, I think you could, in psychology, that's like parts work is like, what part of me is thinking this thought and what is the reason behind that? Is it having to do with my past traumas or, or how is that an accurate way of kind of understanding it or that's, I think that's part of it. Cause you put your finger on, you said what part of me is thinking in using words to think and process something, or as you said, trauma in the past is a great way to, to keep part of the body and part of the mind um, actively looking for something that would you mm-hmm. know, keep, you, keep you safe. So the part that I was pointing at was if there's a part that's talking, the part that's thinking, who are they talking to? Ourself. <laughs> so, our, so yeah. So then looking at what is ourself and right. how do you actually, and so for me, it's that experience where you can say, I am Kendall. Mm-hmm. And you experience yourself as Kendall, which would include all those thoughts. Mm-hmm. But if you say, I am. Mm. It's beyond the thoughts. It's just, I am. So if you mm-hmm. go to, I am, that's the, as you just brilliantly detail, there are different brain states, alpha, beta, delta, theta, right? And that those will actually correlate with, are you in, is, is the part of you that's uh, the brain, is it in a wakeful state or is it in a dream state or is it a deep dreamless state? Well, there's an awareness that is that part that is the experience when you say, I am. Hmm. That awareness is present in the waking and the dreaming and the deep dreamless in the alpha, beta, theta, like those, I don't know, delta, I don't remember all the, the mm-hmm. different discernible, but you can be aware while your brain sleeps. Mm-hmm. And... That was, so that's been my kind of holy grail or my, my true north is how 
um, you know, as a, how with, with my own traumas, mm-hmm. you know, where you have, you, 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 and I know you and I have talked, um, you know, about our, our own respective traumas in the past and, and, and you and I have, you know, connected there. Like, how do we, how with a brain that may have been, may have been traumatized and now has a real agenda to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. Um, where is there, where is there a peace in, in sometimes that trauma loop, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there's had a number of, well, had weekly conversations with, uh, you know, Dr. Dr. Russ Kennedy, who was also at our, our workshop last week, and he's the anxiety MD, right? He's got mm-hmm. a big, big Instagram following. And so this is stuff that, um, his own book, his own book. And he's got this, you know, quite, quite a sizable and daily growing, um, following cause he's, he's really aiming people back to the body, back to mm-hmm. the body. There's something in reconnecting with the body. And then I, I, I can't speak for him. Um, but I've heard him say numerous times that inner child mm-hmm. and as you, as you mentioned, when that trauma voice comes up, when that fight or flight comes up, um, that that inner state of peace and stillness and be here now that is nowhere to be seen mm-hmm. right <laughs> right um and and so i guess what i you know with with my various um different sort of professional ventures or avenues all of them come together because they all were in my own they all served my own search for Mm, for really to, to be able to, to, to find, uh, to find presence, um, mm-hmm. and to be able to be present and just, it sounds so, it sounds like such a great big deal. Um, which I think it's, I think it's for what I think is one of the, ch- the, the challenges is, is, um, it's, it, it makes it such a big deal sounding that makes it complicated. And, uh, um, and then I think for me, the actual coming back to I am, that's the closest, that's my closest, uh, if I had to have a mantra on, on a given day, I mean, that would, that would be it. I mean, one, mm-hmm. of the things that, one of the things that I realized is like, well, God or creator or whatever that word that you put on, whatever the heck is making this thing wouldn't have made hmm, wouldn't have made this awakening experience at all complicated because everybody's going to anybody coming into a body is going to have to be able to access it so mm-hmm. somehow it's going to be the simplest thing mm-hmm. in front of all of our noses mm. um, and so do you want to talk about how your awakening experience uh, psychedelics and then that chiropractor how did that lead you on your journey of work? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so the psychedelics. Um, I had, I had, hmm, with oh, so part of that psychedelic experience was um, I 
realized how much I, my, ex, my moment to moment experience was being completely dictated by whatever thought I was believing and whatever I thought I thought about you or what I thought about me or what I thought about, um, I was basically protecting myself with, with my, uh, with my thoughts. I was built, built a personality, mm-hmm. right? Which we could call ego, but I'm just gonna say I built a personality that, that, um, remembered how to get through life, remembered how to interact with people, remembered about the things to say, mostly to keep myself safe and out of, out of trouble, not humiliated, not isolated. You know, I had to keep myself fed, keep myself loved, keep myself included, figure out how to make some money. And I just, you know, as I went through life, I was learning how to do that. And then in the middle of that mushroom trip, I realized that that, that had my, all of my focus internally aimed completely at my thoughts all the time. I was always watching my thoughts because I knew I needed to know how to appropriately interact with life, interact with other people. And what I realized was um, part of what that the mushrooms did is they, they, they seemed to amplify the sensations in my body. And what I realized was I couldn't actually pay attention to the sensations in my body because my focus kept reflexively coming back up to my head and to my thoughts. And, and what I, I realized is that, that I, that they were all, so many of them were based in fear. I was just, a, I was afraid. I was afraid of, of being, um, doing something wrong, doing something wrong that would mean I would be cast out of the of the community, right? That I would be seen for who I was, uh, who I really was. I, I'd had a lot of bullying as a kid, and and uh, and and some some years of real tough time with my with my dad, mm. um, and his some of his own struggles with who he was. He, uh, my parents lost their first child at a year old, oh, and wow. I think that that um, I, I can't even speak to how horrendous that experience must have been. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure that he had a lot of self-blame and self-judgment on that and really deep down um, blamed himself and was really hard on himself for having not um, not taken care of his own his own son and that his son ended up dying because he didn't take care of hmm. his, his kid. And then I came along next and my dad was really internally um, in conflict with how to be present with me mm. no when he knew deep down that his last experience with the son was he killed him and just to clarify there was nothing either of my parents did or could have done that would have helped their son out at all so i'm just pointing to the fact of how how painful and and damaging that that internal shame voice and guilt voice can be so that that made my dad sometimes incredibly present, incredibly vulnerable, and sometimes incredibly gone, incredibly missing, and and suffering. And then he turned to alcohol to, to really is one of the most amazing and immediate um, drugs out there to help bring people up in in into their into their body, into their breath, and out of that deep suffering of shame. Um. I think that's one of the reasons why alcohol is just as powerful and as prevalent as it is. It just allows, it just gives people almost an immediate um, experience of of who who they might be and how mm. it feels just to be okay, you know, in your body. 
um, you know, lots of lots of you know side effects. And I think is that there's a big nursing study at some point that showed that that's the single most destructive, um, single most destructive chemical. Uh, I think on the on the planet. I may be I may be uh, over over simplifying or overselling it or something, but I believe that's that's what it was. Um, mm-hmm. It was the single biggest predictor of, of how somebody turns out in life is their their kind of the relationship with alcohol. And again, don't quote me on that, um, even though it's on recording. Um, so, so back to the the mushroom experiences, I realized that that these thoughts were really was to protect me um, from a you know a deep a deep pain, and that what happened was I. Um, I realized that they were robbing me of access to the present moment. They were robbing me of access to actually feeling what was happening in the world because I can only feel what's happening in the world based on what my body is picking up, my senses are picking up from the world, right? That's direct contact with the world. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't allowing, I couldn't access that because I was all of my focus was based on my, tracking my thoughts to make sure that I was still safe. And I realized that, wow, I, I'm not actually living. I'm not living a life at all. And that when I would come down into my body and I would get little glimpses of how I actually felt, it was like that was the only authentic thing that was that was actually happening in the moment. And that my body only lived in the moment. Hmm. It was only feeling what was happening around, but it was also responding to what was what movie I was in fear I was listening to. And I and I realized like, oh my gosh, me not really feeling and investigating the fears in my mind is robbing me of my entire life and it's going to you know rob me of like i don't there's no reason for me to go on i can't i won't be a good dad i won't be a good husband i'm not being a good son and i'm not being a good friend because i can't actually show up and be and know how i feel so i'm not actually being a real person i'm not actually being a real animal on this planet because i can't feel and so i stood there at this concert with 20,000 people dancing around me and I stopped dancing. I closed my eyes and I was just silent. I was like, I'm until I can actually show up in this moment and be authentic. There's no point in going on. So I, I was like, all right, we're just going to look at every single fear and, and up they came. It was the scariest mm-hmm. damn thing I did, I've ever done <laughs> kind of, is, is look at, at all these individual fears. But what, what happened was the most amazing thing is I would actually feel the fear and I was like, okay, if this fear actually happens, if I'm not really who I am and then my friends turn away from me, my girlfriend turns away from me, what, what's, what happens then? Well, I lose people that I don't that aren't even actually naturally built to be next to me, hmm. but I'll still be with myself. So, so I guess that's okay. I'll be with myself because I'll actually be in my authentic experience in this world and I'll be connected to this God miracle that's happening right now. So I can have that. And so as soon as I realize like I'm going to choose myself over the loss of people that I might not even need. And I felt that and I said, okay, to myself when it said, this is what you need to do. This weird thing happened is, is this like, tension layer lifted up off of me hmm. and I dropped down into my body and then all of a sudden my body just started showing me what was happening around. I was like, Oh my God, music's playing. And then my body started to dance to the music as it was happening. It's like, this feels amazing. And then it was just joy coming up for a lasted for about two minutes. And then another fear came up. It's like, shit, I thought I was done. <laughs> 
So then another fear came up and I stopped. I was like, okay, this fear is now splitting my attention. It's pulling me out of the moment. So I realized something else needed me to, to needed me to realize like that's another subconscious kind of thief of my life was this fear and how much power I was giving to it. So then I, I, I felt that fear like, okay, so what happens if I don't finish college? What happens if I don't get that degree? I come from a very scientific and highly educated medical family. So, you know, me going on and getting the doctor degree or some kind of advanced degree was just a thing that I would be turning away from my, my family if I didn't Mm -hmm. do that, disappointing people. And, uh, and I just was, that was lodged deep down in there uh, as a thing that you do. And that, um, when I, you know, I had to go through what are the consequences? Like, well, I won't be, I'll be the black sheep. I won't be, um, potentially not accepted. And, and I had to actually go feel that experience of the individual family members that I had made the, the, the powerful ones that they would turn away from me. They would be disappointed in me. They would disapprove of me as a, as a human entity on this planet. And then when I felt that, and then when I I felt that, and I realized that me choosing to feel that was me choosing myself and the authenticity of whatever this God creation is right here, this miracle happening, and that act of choosing to feel mm, took all of the value, took all of the power out of somebody else's disappointment in me. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that, then the grip that that fear had over me, it left. Hmm. And I was back in the present moment. And then my body's like, yes, and it started to breathe again. And I stood upright and I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm actually, wow, my posture is changing. I'm actually mm-hmm. standing upright because this thing is loving itself as a fully, um, fully gifted and, and deserving, fully deserving animal on this planet. And I, and I realized, wow, I'm, I'm here to actually take care of this human animal, just like a dog or a deer or a squirrel or a bird or something. Like this human animal is going to have its limited time on this planet, and I'm here to kind of take care of it. And part of what that means is um, figuring out how to, to keep listening to it first hmm. and not listening to the fears, which um, – which, which which required me to to shove my body um, for me to resist my body to resist the sensation really to have that um that that core of shame like that like i me thinking that something in me was was actually not uh not good it was like it was like Mm -hmm. a a walking virus and that i would need to protect the world from whatever I thought I was that I'm really believing what the bullies said to me as a kid or and my dad in his dark moments, what he said to me then and me then needing me like, you know, back then when we really need the approval of others in order to, to live, like you can't live as a child unless mm-hmm. you have the care and approval of others. So in order to, to, for me to get that, I had to turn away from myself and, and that, 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 Again, that experience on the mushrooms was the first time that I actually was put to the test where it was where I realized like me turning back towards myself and putting everybody else second 
was at the core of this experience that then would be, I'd call a spiritual experience or an awakening, right? Mm -hmm. Well, even um, I would say putting yourself first is actually, um, it's still, I wouldn't say it's, (laughs) I don't know how to describe it, but it's still putting them first in that you're encouraging them to also feel into their body and be authentically themselves and not um, be who you think they should be. It's, oh, wow, someone else can uh, listen to themselves and um, follow, um, you know, what's healthy for them. Then my body starts to feel the same way and I can feel into that and that's what's best for me. So really it's, it's what's best for everyone. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's so brilliantly spoken. I like that you did know actually what you were saying and how to say it. <laughs> um, and, and what I didn't expect to see coming, um, you know, on down the line in my career path was that, um, and they talk about this with we entrain to that we mm. so entrain to that being we our, our bodies start to vibrate together and so and that's what that that guy that chiropractor and that yogi later on did to me being in his presence and when he touched my body which is in the in fact my body in, in very specific spots where my brain connects so our brain mm. and our nervous system connect to the um mm, specific spots, we'll just say, um, that when he did that, when he touched me while he was paying deep attention to himself first, that it produced this, this experience in me that was a reminder, that was a remembering, that was an awakening that wasn't expected. And I wasn't thinking that was going to happen. And I set up and I was like, I, it was so unexpected and bewildering that I didn't even know what was happening. And <laughs> it took me, it took me a half an hour for me to realize that I was the movie channel had switched that, um, that my body was now listening to itself. Like it hadn't in, in 20 years since I'd had that mushroom experience and that I mm. had, gotten carried away with life i'd gotten married i'd had a couple of kids i'd i'd gone i'd gone bankrupt i'd uh followed you know trying to follow my passions and and um and i'd fallen a long ways off that off that trail off my path or maybe i hadn't fallen anywhere off my path that was just where i needed to go right? <laughs> right. Uh, and that just with one with a specific analysis of kind of how my body was trying to protect itself he was able to help my my body find its way back. Like he didn't, mm. he didn't adjust me. He didn't adjust any joints or bones. Um, but what he did was really true to the actual definition of the word yoga. And the definition is, is union. Mm. And, and it's, it's the definition. It's not even a definition. It's an arrow. The word yoga is an arrow pointing at the experience of union, the experience of be here now, the experience of, I'm not my body, but I'm, I'm separate and I'm one with everything at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and I'm eternally grateful for him and, 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 you know, your observation 
there and, and all the reminders that I'm fortunate enough to have keep coming back into my life to <laughs> wake me back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, after that, after that, that one chiropractic appointment, I realized like, Oh my gosh, I need to do this. I don't know what just that, what just happened, but I need to do this, mm-hmm. which, uh, set me down the road of, of, um, one particular, um, specialty in chiropractic. And I, I went and I learned that, um, and I didn't even, I, I didn't even know what to, what to call it at that point, but it was a, yeah, it was a particular, uh, I didn't know what to even call the, the experience. Um, but that, 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 um, is me sort of stepping into the world of chiropractic was interesting because I'd never had really any relationship with chiropractors or the world of mm-hmm. chiropractic. And then realizing that it, um, it was it was a very much uh, at least founded in a discipline around spiritual awakening, if you will, but through the body, returning mm. somebody, returning focus and awareness back to the body, and that that will predictably, uh, almost mathematically, produce an, uh, an awakening to the vibrant health that um, that we're designed to have, and oftentimes. As a side effect, you might notice the disease goes away or the pain goes away. Um, but there's a there's a there's a large um, component of chiropractors who are very much um, sort of scientifically faith based that they believe that there's an innate intelligence, the one that's creating each of us right now from moment to moment to moment that built us in the first place, and that's the only intelligence that heals us. Hmm. Uh huh. And um, and that you know it was only later later on when i was really looking at some of the the mechanics of what it was that i was taught in that chiropractic approach and realizing that um that there was a it was kind of a fun little um um what do you like a, like a, a game of of um, finding a secret um that that so much of what I had been learning in this particular real niche chiropractic approach was, was 100% yoga. When I started looking into yoga, I realized like, um, oh my gosh, all this stuff that I've been doing, um, under, uh, has been, has been yoga that's been medicalized hmm. and, and, uh, and it's and, and brilliantly done, uh, as well. And, uh, and you know, I, I probably in practice, I don't know what the count was, but something over probably 30,000 patient visits, um, where what I was, what I was doing was really a specific, um, a specific form of yoga that I had learned as, as, you know, a chiropractic approach. And, Mm, but I didn't even know at that for that whole you know, time when I was in practice, I didn't know that that's really what it was that I was doing. It wasn't until um, much later um, where it was time for my life to slow down. I was seeing a hundred something patients a day oh, wow. and being a single dad. Um, and, and that pace is way outside of what is a, a normal pace for me. Um, and, and the anxiety got, got really bad and, and I got, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, honestly, Kendall, I, I got, I got confused, um, which I think 
you know, Byron Katie states so well, it's really at the core of all the suffering is, is, uh, is a confusion. And, and I got confused and I got, um, and, and, and part of what was so tempting and so like amazing about this, this work was that, um, I would every week see these miracles um, in in practice. People would come in and you know, just see what I would call well. I would say what what the culture would call miracles. You know, people who had been who just seen who had seen all of these specialists um, and didn't know what to do, and they just heard you know, through through uh, word of mouth that you know, that I did a different kind of thing, and that they came in. Mm -hmm. and usually, oftentimes, they're kind of at the at the end of their their rope like well we've tried everything else i guess we'll just go check out this chiropractic thing um and then and then the and, and then sometimes these people would have these seemingly miraculous results in their their condition that they had been struggling with and suffering from um you know sometimes for years and years and what which was really quite really compelling to me and, and I had to keep looking like what is it that I'm doing what is it that I've been taught here that um that's happening which made me dive down you know more deeply into yoga and then I I closed my practice um a number of years ago and and what I needed to do at that point was just to sit uh, and go through some therapy and figure out how to get myself back um and and figure out what was it that i'm here to do now you know and uh and what kept coming back up was there was you know when i looked at the looked at some of the people that i worked with um that you would see you would see this is something i didn't expect to see um was you know i'd work with people in the room and they would be um they would move on the table Mm -hmm. Right, I know that you, you saw this last week, um, mm -hmm. and probably some of the other other videos, um, but I didn't. I was confused by what that was, what that movement was. I didn't really know. Um, and and let me clarify: is what I was confused by was when they would move, they'd be face down on the table, and I'd be across the room, maybe working with somebody else, but I would focus over to to the person across the room. And I would watch my focus move up and down this person's spine and their spine would move with my focus, hmm. almost like my focus was a laser pointer and I would move it up and down through their spine and their spine would seem to move with it. Um, almost like a dance, very much like a dance uh, that we were dancing together. And it was after a while it became undeniable. And, and my, and there was a, a real, it was it was hard because my scientific self was like that's this isn't happening this can't happen this is in the movies it only happens in Harry Potter it happens in Star Wars right it was very much like that Luke trying to lift the X wing X wing fighter out of the swamp you know mm -hmm. and Yoda comes up is like quit trying so hard um, and don't make the big thing any bigger than the small thing like you're you're confused basically Luke um, mm -hmm. as you see it as you see it clearly and you can see the relationship between what you are and what the X wing fighter is it'll be really clear what you do with your focus, what you do with your own, your own posture and your intention that then will make that X-wing fighter lift seemingly on its own. Hmm. In a way, this is what I started to see in practice and it freaked me out. Um, and then I actually thought um, it, 
what you know you know honestly you know Kendall this is one of my own my own sort of burdens and shame burdens to bear is that um, sometimes these people that would move would be um, you know women that I would otherwise have dated you know like there was a um, and I thought that that movement I thought that was actually God telling me he's like oh my gosh you two are meant to be together she can actually mm. feel you mm. on the inside and I had never witnessed this before and so I really was really confused about what that meant. And so, um, so inevitably, or maybe not inevitably, um, you know, I, I being confused with what to do with this, I ended up dating, you know, a couple of my patients through the years, which, um, you having been through a therapy training, mm -hmm. you know, it's a huge <laughs> no, no, it's a huge right. no, and a, and a, and a boundary violation, but, but a, um, a power dynamics, uh, mm -hmm. you know, um, that's not, that's not, that's not evil. They're not evil. That's not even, it's not an even power dynamic mm -hmm. there that I was actually in a position of power. Um, and I was, <laughs> but my confusion said, wow, this woman actually look, she's moving. She actually knows something that I don't. Mm -hmm. That was where my narrative went that I actually thought that she was, um, in, possession of kind of insider knowledge like she actually was mm. kind of a grown wizard and i felt like i had just like stepped into hogwarts mm -hmm. and i was like oh my gosh why would she want to date me i'm clearly just like a newbie just stepping into this thing and this is mm -hmm. kind of how confused i was um and of course it didn't it i my assumption wasn't right we weren't meant to be together you know but it took me a bit to figure this out that i was you know confused and it took me you know some uh some weekly therapy for a while and me then closing my practice and uh and getting some space and getting some quiet time and getting some good advisors around me to, to help realize that um i'm better when i have a team of good smart people around me mm -hmm. yeah in uh counseling or uh psychology called it transference and counter-transference just you know that bond that any humans can have together that intimacy and empathy and understanding that is very powerful, but obviously um, also dangerous and um, make you feel like this is uh, something that should be a relationship. And um, like you said, you know, as the, the practitioner, you have a power imbalance that um, they'll see you as, as, as the person that's saving them, which is we know in the healing profession that we are just helping them find their own healing. That's with, within themselves it's not us and so by the by their confusion of oh you're you're the one saving me we're actually it's taking power away from themselves and uh the recognition that it's within themselves yeah yeah you're you're right that's um we we touched on that in 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 chiropractic school but i just didn't understand I didn't, well, I, what I didn't know was that, that somebody would be moving their body right. moving with my focus and could actually have a lived experience where two people are feeling each other without looking at each other or speaking to each other. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Kendall, I felt like in that moment, it was me feeling, oh my gosh, this is a depth of connection I've never had. Like mm. this, this is, this is possible. Mm -hmm. So I was feeling seen and as you as you know you know with with trauma there's a depth of us that we don't let be seen mm. and it was actually touching on a deep need of mine 
in my, mm. my own traumatized self where I was actually feeling like I, I was being seen. And, and so we were really being able to experience each other in the present moment. And, and I didn't have a life that was balanced enough to, to give me that experience right outside of practice. I was in practice so much. And so, so that mm -hmm. I was needing, I had built my life in such a way that I was, I was needing to have that depth of con connection that I could only get through, you know, something that was in practice. So, mm -hmm. um, so I needed it. Yeah. I needed to, to, you know, scale it back and realize, you know, that I, I wasn't, that I was somewhere in my life, in my understanding, confused. Mm -hmm. And that this, this, thing that I had come across where you can sort of feel into each other, this, you know, empath thing, um, is a real thing. And mm -hmm. I needed to find some people that could help guide me with this. Cause I clearly was not, <laughs> I mean, I could, I had the skills to really help a lot of people. Um, but there was still, you know, there were some areas that I was, I was confused and there was a way that I had my life organized that was keeping me stressed and anxious and fearful. Uh, which made me you know, dangerous to myself and, and mm. uh, not safe for, you know, some others. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Did you want to um, kind of talk a little bit about the difference between, um, I don't know, we call it traditional chiropractor and then the energetic component and how you move from one to the other and solve maybe the limiting factors in traditional chiropractor? Um, yeah, well, let's see, I can kind of feel that, um, just to well, give you some thoughts on it. Um, as a, you know, when I was you know, working as a, as a chiropractor, you know, as a, you know, at least in, in the state of Oregon, you know, I was a primary care provider, which means I needed to, um, diagnose everybody and the diagnosis is a, you know, putting a, a, a name and a number to something that's wrong. You know, in a person, and then my my interactions with them need to be, um, in just serve that that the treatment um, that would be most appropriate for whatever you know is wrong, and and that was that was such a brilliant container, especially to use this yogic informed approach, right? And that was. Um, it was it seemed to be a real brilliant container because a lot of people would come in with you know neck pain or autoimmune conditions or or you know, ADHD or um, cancer and 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 what you know turned out to be that that them actually being able to to get out of their internal traumatized state or trauma loop or anxiety state and being able to connect more with their body liberated energy throughout the body and when the body had access to more energy it could feel you could funnel it to the immune system and it could funnel it to the to the digestive system um so you're you're what you're saying to be clear is that um our uh traumas our emotions and our you know the thoughts that go through our heads is all connected with physical illnesses and stuff like that Oh yeah, I think I mean, that's great. Great clarity, I think, um, or great clarification. Because sometimes I just live live these assumptions, and it's right. realizing it's it's not a universal assumption. So one of my favorite analogies is a dog. You know, think of your dog if it if if it thinks it's going to get like hit by a stick or something, right? It tucks its head and tucks its tail. 
That's an immediate reflexive fear response to something in life. And so when you tuck your head and tuck your tail, it stretches your lower brain, the spinal, the brain stem and the spinal cord, and it stretches it. And as soon as you stretch the, the lower brain, which is all that is, is just the, the long nerve fibers that go from the, the brain in your head, they go all the way out to the cells everywhere in the body. And one of the best ways to interrupt the message going from the brain to the cell or from the cell back up to the brain, one of the best ways to interrupt that message is to stretch the nerve. Hmm. So if you stretch the nerve and that's, that's then communicating from the brain to the heart, the heart is going to work wrong. If you stretch the nerve from the brain to the bladder, brain to the uterus, the brain to the thyroid, that, that gland or organ cannot work right. And so that was something that I was, uh, that I was trained in was to look for where, not even a pinch in the nerve necessarily, but where might the nerve be stretched that's going to cause the body to not work right. And sometimes it, you know, the, the, the more the stretch and the more nerves that are stretched, the more the body struggles to try to figure out what the heck is wrong with it because it's not communicating with itself. Hmm. So if you go back to the dog analogy and tuck head, tuck tail, you're stretching all of the nerves that go to all of the cells in the body. And so staying, well, getting into that fight or flight response may be a brilliant one to protect you from getting hit by a stick or a car or an emotional tyrant, ty you know, tirade or rant by, by somebody. Um, and it, we need the protection. It's a brilliant short-term strategy. Um, and so, but how, however, that's a lethal long-term strategy. So what, what I, I think really what I realized was, and this is where I, I, I started looking at yoga was looking at these, um, looking at the yoga structures where the chakras are, where the nadis are. And then, and that's, so the chakras are those, the stack of, of, you know, consciousness centers that, that are up and down through the spinal cord. And then the nadis are like meridians and the chi or the prana or the kundalini is just energy, right? And the energy goes on specific highways. And we know in acupuncture, Chinese medicine, those are called meridians in the mm -hmm. yogic world. They're called nadis. And there are um, these main highways and the, and the three big energy highways go up and down through the spinal cord. Well, I started to put two and two together, you know, when the dog tucks its, tucks its head and tucks its tail to protect itself, it stretches those nerves. And now the energy does not go up and down through those main meridians, the main nadis that then give the, the body all of its energy. So the body has to get sick. The brain has to get confused because it can no longer feel itself. Right. And then I started to put this together all the way back to tie it in all the way back to my mushroom experience, where I realized that the fear had me stretching my body, had me stretching those nerves, which was disconnecting me from my, my internal access to how I felt. And so then that, that may, for me, was driving my anxiety, was driving my ADHD, was driving my, my de depression, was driving my, um, my sleep issues. And because the, the main, that main way that the brain connects its energy and its information to everything in the body is that main spinal cord.
which is mm. what the, you know, the yogis talk about that channel that the Kundalini energy moves from the bottom of the spinal cord all the way up to the spinal cord, which is just up to the, the brain there. It goes all the way up to the top of the brain. And when that energy actually connects top to bottom, what happens is what my experience was on that chiropractor's table, all of the to-do list, all the stuff that the that the body or the brain is otherwise trying to pay attention to to keep you protected, that stuff just kind of falls away, and you awaken through into the present moment through the senses, and there's this this kind of awakening, if you will, is correlated with the spine actually starting to move fluidly, mm-hmm. like a like a fish spine does or an eel does or a snake does. And that there's a specific, there are specific terms for this. And, uh, and in yoga, there's, as we went over in the workshop, there's layers for this and they're called the, the, how the energy moves. There's math, math, yoga has mathematics, mathematical sequence and series of, um, of uh, a procedure for unlocking us from this stress response that makes us isolated, makes us anxious, makes us fearful, makes us sick. It makes us confused, right? Because if we can't feel our body, then we're left to our brain. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, even when I was in practice, I was, you know, there's, and we hear many of our sages and, and our, our elders say that, you know, that the, the path is long and it's treacherous. Even though you get some insights, um, we can fall prey to confusion at any point. Um, so that's really how I kind of came around to yoga um, because it was um, it's a it's a science. Is is it's through like experience like they the yogis in, in the east they've meditated for so long and and then yoga is not just meditation it's it's you know Ayurvedic it's diet it's every part of your life and and what do we do? to create optimal health, whether that's physical, mental, spiritual. And so through many hundreds of years of experimentation and feeling into it, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a felt what, what is healthy and using your intuition and your and knowing and feeling you're into your body. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you're right. It's, it's a one, one tiny little glimpse of yoga actually is all the stretches that we do, what they call asanas. Mm-hmm. It's like one little, one tiny little percentage of yoga has to do with the, the asanas or the, the movements that we all think about when we think about yoga. Mm-hmm. Yoga, if you look at the, the kind of one of the, the Bibles of yoga, it's the, what are called the sutras, uh, mm-hmm. this, by this written by this guy named Patanjali. Basically what he says is yoga is the cessation of thought. Yoga is what happens when I was, what happens at the end of thought, when, th- when thoughts stop. Mm. And, you know, when I, when I talked about my own experiences that there's a, well, even Deepak Chopra, I think a book that I read of his maybe 30 years ago, he talked about find the gap between the thoughts, mm. just keep going into that gap, going into that gap. And so you listen to, you know, then I mentioned like Byron Katie and there's Ram Das, like they've, and they're well, you said be from, here now, which is Eckhart Tolle wrote a book called that, right? That's uh, that's Ram Das wrote "Be Here Now." Oh, Ram Das. Okay, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. when well, I was a uh, that was a very amazing book because um, the day after my my mushroom experience, I was all I was sitting there was just kind of bewildered, looking around the world, not knowing what to do with it because I didn't feel like an authentic person, and all I could remember mm. was "Be Here Now." That's all I all <laughs> I came out of that 
experience with. So I was sitting at a friend's house and just sort of mindlessly gazing at her books. And uh, one book popped out at me that was, I had to do a quadruple take because it was called be here now. <laughs> so of course I had to get up and like walk across the room and pull it off not really expecting much. And then I opened up this book and it was started des- describing to me everything that happened to me th- mm. the night before in that experience. Mm. And then I felt like, Oh, Craig, look, you just stumbled across a path that there are other people way out in front of you on. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's, you know, to kind of sort of uh, circle that back around to the yoga and what I'm doing these days is is um, is just talking about about this stuff and how. Um, hmm. Do you want to talk about um, how how does it work that our focus um, in conjunction on someone's body? How can that make a difference um what is yeah. the mechanics at play there yeah yeah um so one of the things that i as i as i mentioned when i was in in practice and it was just not only did it happen once or twice but it happened all day every day when i was seeing several hundred like 304 300 patient visits a week when i would i would be what became what, when, when I would, as I mentioned, I looked across the room, somebody would move. And then this was something that my, my teacher in the chiropractic technique just did all the time. And when I first saw it, I was like, what kind of bogus, weirdest, weirdness <laughs> is this? It looked like mm-hmm. somebody was pointing their finger. And I didn't, I thought it was really interesting to look at when somebody would point their finger and somebody else would move. But it also was very disconcerting. I just like, I don't want anybody in here in my body with me. I was like, that's cool to look at. But there's no way I'm going to be doing that on the table. Like I'm going to stay protected over here in my little self. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it was very, it was very dangerous looking. It's a very dangerous reality. I think to be seeing is that actually somebody can, cause I didn't really know what I was looking at it from, from the looks of it. It looks like somebody is, getting into my body with their focus mm-hmm. and with their mind. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, that, that brings up questions of sovereignty mm-hmm. and cause that's what it, you know, that's what it looks like. Um, and it's, and it looks like from the assumption that we are all separate beings. So if I'm over here being a separate being looking over into you and you start moving, then I've taken my separate being and I've now penetrated your boundaries mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. moving inside the boundary of your body. And I think that's, you know, really a good reason to burn anybody at the stake. (laughs) 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 Right. It's like, there's some Mm -hmm. witchy shit going on there. Um, and, but then when I, when I realized that I was, I was the one doing it, I realized, well, that's not what's happening at all. I'm feeling into myself and I'm feeling into myself and how I would, how, when I'm looking at somebody else, how does that look like it feels? And so what I realized was, okay, that's, they seem to be protecting themselves in this particular way. And so when I protect myself in a way that looks like that, I basically mirror them. Mm. And when I mirror them inside my body, and then, because I'm not actually, you know, I may not have been really stressed out in that same way, then what I can do is, okay, if I mirror myself, if I mirror them this way, oh, this is then how I'm going to use my energy and my focus to find my own way out of that particular pattern of of asleep 
defensive armoring. And when I do that in the same room with them, their body went, oh my gosh. So the, it wasn't just their body, but their being that's ever present here in the room, it kind of it used me. They were, it was almost, they were over in me more than I was in them. They, mm. their, their larger being self, they were present to what it was that I was doing in me, which was, which was actually matching their own defense pattern. So I was actually witnessing them. And so when, as a, as a Peter Levine, um, a, a therapist that teaches somatic experiencing, I think one of the things that he says is the trauma is an experience in the body in the absence of an empathic witness. Hmm. So when you have that experience in your body and there's no witness there, you're isolated in there. Mm -hmm. So what I realized was when I would see people start to move, I was acting as an empathic witness. And when they would feel somebody being me empathically witnessing what they're experiencing in their body, something in that two people in this, in the same experience at the same time, created the experience that, that allowed them to, to liberate themselves from the trauma, the witnessing somehow uh, the seeing of somebody else and their miracle, just in that witnessing of them as a miracle in that armored state produces the awakening produces mm. the, and th that made me think of, and you might be able to quote better than, than me and where in the Bible this is, but somewhere in there, he says, when two or more are gathered in my name, I'll be there too. Yes, and I got a little, mm -hmm. I got a little insight into that as an actual experience that he embedded in this earthbound thing that we're doing, mm -hmm. when we can actually be with each other, we can we can almost we can almost lift each other out of out of that that uh, that traumatized sleepy state. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, I think some other ways um, people talk about, it, and I've I've talked about it on my podcast before, but um, you could say quantum. There's a quantum field that um is everywhere in everything and that we are our bodies are also part of that and so while of course we have this physical part of ourselves we have this deeper you know spirit layer that is connected with everything that we can connect with each other on this layer and that that transcends distance and um you know we can still feel that even if there's no no touching um yeah yeah yeah, that's yeah. The, I like the yeah the, the quantum the quantum entanglement. Right. Um, that was I had to I had to go looking that way too to explain. That, but at some point, um, I started working with people online around the world over a Zoom call, and and it's just like a little you know little test. Like I wonder if this stuff it works <laughs> in the, in the room, but I wonder mm -hmm. if it works online because the way it had been described to me was our bodies put off sub audible so we can't hear them or we can't hear these waves like the vibrations but we'll put out acoustic so acoustic waves mm -hmm. uh, but they're sub audible so we can't hear it but our body so that was the way it ex was explained to me so i realized that's what i believed for a while in practice like oh my body's just sending vibrations across the room and i can't hear mm -hmm. it but somehow that empathic uh witnessing is is must be you know acoustic in nature and that made sense to me because it worked, you know, it's still in the same room. It worked in my three, mm -hmm. our three dimensional world. But then I just, you know, part of me had this like intuitive, just hunch, like, I don't know, let's test this. Let's just play, <laughs> you know, let's just test it. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, sometimes, so I, I tried it out a couple of times, you know, somebody was up in Canada and I, I would have, um, you know, clients that then would be traveling the world. And I knew, I knew exactly how they moved and they were very sensitive. So I didn't want to do it with somebody that I, I didn't know how to connect with. So mm-hmm. one time in Italy, another time in Canada, we hopped on a, a zoom call and, and what I did was I, I muted my microphone and I turned off my camera. I had them aim their their computer at themselves, so I could I could see them on the computer mm-hmm. screen, right? but they couldn't hear me and they didn't know if I was there. Mm. So I just basically had them lay down, and and, uh, and when they're lying down in their stomach, you can see what the spine does. And so they didn't know where I was focusing, but I could run these little experiments with like, okay, I'm going to focus down here at the tailbone, or I'm going to focus on one side, or I'm going to focus up in the neck or in the mid back, mm-hmm. and I kept but I had to do it enough where I, I was, I was convinced that there's no way this person would have picked up their tailbone or moved their mm-hmm. spine in this particular way or turned their head in this particular way. And then the tailbone and then the head and then the tailbone and then the other side of the tailbone. Like I kept making it more and more complex to prove to myself that it wasn't just somebody trying over there to think about what it is that I might be doing. Right. So, um, then when I, when I saw that it actually happened over a distance, there was, there's no way that that acoustic wave, subaudible acoustic wave could, that didn't explain what it was I was seeing. So I had to go back to the kind of scientific drawing board and, and it's like, well, that, that quantum entanglement seems to make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, my, my body is like, yeah, but it sure is, you know, it still felt like it was very much in a movie. Um, but there was something about that process where I would look at them and then I would feel my own body, right? Rather than me trying to go into them, it was I would watch them and see how I felt while I was watching them. And that, that felt like the empathic experience. Like, how do I, how do I feel? And then if I would, I would try to mirror, you know, their, their, their posture so that I could, um, well, it's kind of like watching any any dance person, uh, you know. Mm. Like if you try to mirror, there's something about how the posture presents itself. Like it's your posture in life. Something my one of my teachers said is like it's not about your spine; it's about your life. And that that one of the biggest gifts that my teachers had given me was I learned to read the spine as a as a, almost like a keyboard. Um, and, and stuff that, you know, you and I were doing, you know, just not a week or two ago was watching how the breath moves through there and then Mm -hmm. watching how the energy moves through there. And then we would adjust ourselves, our, our, our own body and our own posture. And then we would do something with our focus, right? Then we would play with our focus and play with our state of being, maybe our experience of time. If that, that works, it might be a bit of a stretch for folks, but we would just play with what can I play with you over here? And then we would watch somebody else and their body sometimes would start moving in a, in a sympathetic mirroring. Mm-hmm. Uh, one way to kind of help people understand about focus. Um, there is like your peripheral. So, um, you know, when you're, when you're in a fight or flight response, your vision narrows and you're just um, focused right in front of you. But the more relaxed you can be, the more you can look to the sides of your vision and see more in outward. Um, and so that um, focus by, by doing that, that puts our body in a more relaxed state. And then obviously, you know, that's the entrainment that other people can pick up on and that makes uh, a difference that is helpful. 
Is that is that a good way of describing it? Uh, that's a that's a perfect way of describing it, and and I love that you tied in the f- the fact that when you're in a fight or flight, it takes you out of the periphery and brings you into the focus point. Uh, and something that we that that you know you and I were playing with was um, was using when we're really like deeply connecting with somebody. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a client or a, or a yoga student. It can be you know a friend or uh, your parent or, uh, you know, an intimate partner. Um, but there's, there are those two aspects of focus and that to really, um, to have the best chance of eliciting the, the mirroring that sympathetic empathic mirroring between two people. And I, and I choose those words specifically because you can't, you can't force it. You cannot force, uh, you have to show up in some way and then hope that, Cross your fingers, hope that the actual depth of connection will then come through you. Mm-hmm. Right? So we show up. And so part of the way we, we show up, as you just were pointing out, was that there's two aspects of focus. One is the peripheral and one is the, the specific, you know, point focus. So when we were, we were looking at somebody else, you know, posturally, I'm, we may be looking at the neck and focusing very specifically out into the periphery. And when you mm-hmm. would get those two right if you will get those two in kind of the proper relationship with your own breath then that would give us the best chance of seeing somebody actually start to move in a synchronized seemingly miraculous way in time with you even if they weren't looking at you and they had no idea what you were doing yeah yeah that's so great and that kind of ties into you know what i've talked a lot about in this podcast is like there's a duality in life there's a physical there's you know good and evil black and white and then there's also oneness um and so that what we're talking about, the mechanic is kind of that focusing in on duality. And so we're meeting that person over oh, physical body. Oh, there's trauma. That's the duality. And then, Hey, there's a one is between all of us. And so if you can connect um, their, their body, their duality, their trauma with that oneness, it's like, Oh, then that spirit and that, that, that health and that inner intelligence can meet that trauma then it can start to work with that and resolve that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, that's so, I mean, that's really the core of it, right? Is it that we almost use ourselves, oh, we almost use ourselves as like a magnifying glass. Remember we, when we were kids, we'd use a magnifying glass and the sun would go through it and we could like burn a leaf or something like that. We're almost using our own, ourself as a magnifying glass to really help witness that mm. the core of where that fear and trauma is maybe in somebody else's body. Right. And, and, but we, instead of doing something that we then, so that's the doing, that is the doing is the focus. But then if we can be find a way, and that seems to be the second part is the, that mm-hmm. be here now part. Like how do I bring myself into the moment while I'm resting my focus in this particular way with my breath in a particular way and my posture in a particular way, I stand a pretty good chance of having the best front row seat in the house as this person wakes up sometimes from a debilitating fear trauma that they've had forever. Like that, that's why I keep coming back to this work is like, we get the best front row seat because people are just like, Oh my gosh, what the heck just happened? It's not about symptoms at all. You like, you gave me a life back and I didn't give it back to them, but that's their, that's their first guess at what happened. Mm-hmm, right. but, they, but I got, I just got my life back. I didn't even know I had lost cause I had given up hope. Mm-hmm. 
that leads me to my next question. Um, <laughs> what, uh, when should people go do this work? What, what does it treat? And when is it like, okay, you might need some other um, medical assistance? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's yeah. Good, good question. Um, well, since I'm not, I'm not no longer working in any state as a licensed chiropractor. I, then I can't, I can't, um, and as a, you know, as a non-licensed chiropractor that I'm not, that I'm not officially a doctor anywhere. And so what I can't do is, um, use that degree to influence anybody's kind of decision, what they're going to do with a diagnosis or a treatment. Right. So I, I have to, you know, default back to, um, what, you know, what I would do is, is it in any situation is I try to find the best specialist, mm-hmm. you know, um, and right now I've got, you know, hip issues and knee issues and spine issues. And so, um, I'm, I'm been in the, you know, constantly looking for the best specialist, right. That can help me with these particular things. Uh, um, and, and so if you if, you know, people have a particular you know physical concern, even if they think, maybe sometimes if they, if they, especially if they think there's an energetic core to it, an emotional core to it or a spiritual core to it, um, finding some, sometimes, you know, um, if, if say I had been in, um, in the state of fight or flight for 20 years, my body is going to be depleted of a number of things that it needs to function properly. So even if I get at the emotional or spiritual core where I actually have an awakening, it's like, oh my gosh, I see where I went wrong. Um, I'm still going to need somebody that can, that can run my labs, that can, that can look at me from the outside with a specialist vision that can help put Humpty back together again <laughs> mm-hmm. in, a, in a particular way. So, um, so I'm a big fan of finding the right provider for the right situation. If there's any kind of medical concern or health history, then, um, then finding somebody who is trained and skilled and trustworthy, you know, and being able to, to help you, uh, or help someone you know, find their way through. And so I know there are some people that are, that are pro, um, f- pharmacological or medic medication pros. Some people are like anti. And so people are just going to kind of find their own, find their own interpretation to what my suggestion is there. So I'm not, I'm not saying, mm-hmm. you know, um, w- which way to go, you know, and, and, in, in, in some, some ways I, um, what I, what, you know, what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm working as a yoga instructor. Right. I'm a, I'm a yoga teacher and I, uh, and I'm, but this is, you know, this is what I'm talking about is, is, is the tools that I teach in yoga is what do we do with our focus? What can we do with our posture? And when we, when we look at, um, our bodies and our skeleton and our physiology as, as much as an energetic and spiritual system, as we do as a biological system, one of the things that we can do with our focus and our posture and the people we put ourselves around (laughs) is that we can help to reduce the biological noise in a spiritual system. So if we take the biological noise out of it, if we can help the system to, to actually step into a moment where there isn't any fear, the, the, the bliss may present itself and notice that I'm not saying you go searching for bliss. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that that actually if you look at a if you look at a a flower i'm looking outside the window right now and there's just lots of flowers across the field and the sun is out like those flowers i'm going to guess are feeling an extreme bliss not because they went they went try to figure out it's just by their nature by their design mm-hmm. and so i'm that's what I'm, i like to do is how do we how do we in the most efficient way possible get us back to our design and when we do that um, then the mind, instead of going all the time, you know, with around fear and trying to keep up with their really busy, 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 busy lives and caffeine and all the things, um, if we can find, get ourselves back closer to our design, the mind then becomes more like a hand. The, my hand is just sitting here patiently resting on my leg until I want to use it. And then I'll pick it up. I will use it. It'll, it's a brilliant, I love my hand. And then I put it down. But my hand doesn't just wake up in the middle of the night, cruising around the bed, doing stuff, keeping me awake, like my mind might do if I'm anxious. So when we actually can get back closer to our natural design, the mind isn't going all the time. It actually just turns on when we decide to use it. Hmm. Does that answer your question? I know sometimes (laughs) I I can ramble. Yeah, um, maybe to help the listeners uh, talk about some of the things that people have experienced with this work, how it's helped them. And I can, I, I can also, I'll go ahead and uh, give my own testimony. Um, and the after, so, so going to your workshop, you know, I had about like four plane ride trips up. And so after that, my back was just killing me. I've had lower back issues for a long time. And uh, after after our work, um, after four plane ride trips back home, my back barely barely felt it. Felt amazing, and um, also, wow. yeah, it was great. Um, I felt like I just you know had more more energy in general, and that also um, I've had some digestive issues, and that has significantly improved. Um, some other things I noticed uh, was. Also, growing up, I have a hard time looking at people in the eyes for a long time, and now that doesn't really bother me. And also, just um, you know, the attachments of, of thinking, what do people think of me, and um, you know, I need to be a certain way. That's just uh, lessened a lot, and I just feel more confident in myself. Um, and uh, yeah, just able to to slow down a little bit. And and it was funny because um, in in the workshop when you're working on me, you're like, Oh, I see, uh, the way your body is, um, some of the, the, the posture, um, you know, one leg being shorter than the other or well, my legs were even, but, but different things about my body that, um, that we can tell, uh, with this work and with yoga that, that, uh, practitioners have identified, Oh, these certain patterns match these certain emotional or psychological things. And so we can take a good guess at, by looking at the posture, what these things are. And then once we do this work and help alleviate those things, then those emotional psychological things uh, will be uh, healed or, or eased. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, all that's fantastic. Um, so, man, that's a great testimonial just to, you know, to start with and, um, and just to bring that back around to, to, kind of put that in like, the context of, you know, the dog tucking the head, tucking the tail mm-hmm. makes the dog afraid and then looking outside. And so the dog's looking outside and afraid. And so if, if you had that particular pattern, 
in your body, you're not going to be able to maintain eye contact because part of your body's on alert. You're mm. going to be looking and it's going to feel too, it's going to feel dangerous to have somebody look into you. Partly because if you are tucking your head and tucking your tail, you're stretching and so you're cutting off the flow of that energy that moves up from your tailbone all the way to your brain. And that energy is, remember, it's what gives you the experience of, I know who I am. Mm. I know why I'm here. I'm sitting here feeling that I'm purposeful. Like I am actually, I'm being the purpose that I'm here for. And that creates, from, from that experience, you look through peaceful eyes. You rest your gaze on somebody in full acceptance because you were sitting in the experience of full acceptance. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when, you know, like with, with maybe your experience um, that once we'd done some of the exercises and your back started to soften and move that energy, then your back didn't need to show you um, pain anymore. Because the back needs to show you pain if you are out of your purpose in life, if mm. you are out of and out of purpose in life, not in a big existential way, but mm, having a center that you physically move around, and that is that that spinal cord that's moving fluidly. But when it gets stretched, you no longer have a place for your focus to rest, and so you're out of focus. You're confused. There's no there's no central grounded person. That is looking through your eyes, so they have to be skittery. Mm. Um, yeah, I just had a, a woman. She had quite a number of catastrophic things all converge on her in her life at one point, and everything just came to an end, and and she really was kind of left debilitated. Um, and I just you know and, and offered that we could do a little yoga together. Right. And Kendall, we did like two postures. <laughs> we did, we did a sun salutation where you raise up and stick your arms up over the mm -hmm. head and down to the feet. Right. And then mm -hmm. we did, we did some warrior two, which is just kind of standing with your, your arms out and your feet out basically. Mm -hmm. And so then what we did there was I, I, we did some of the minor, the minor things while I was standing there. And so if she's just standing there with her arms over her head, she's still going to have the habitual postural patterns to disconnect herself. She just still doesn't know where her center is. So one of the things I love about this um, slowing down, paying attention to the breath and doing these little tiny postural movements, like where do I put my chin? Where do mm. I put my tailbone? Where do I rest my focus? Kind of those three. Where do I put my chin? Where do I put lift my heart? Where do I put my tailbone? You'll see that those things actually will, will make these specific adjustments in where the spine is. And when you can get the spine close to center, mm -hmm. while you're next to somebody who can actually feel into their spine and feel, in, feel how they feel while they're witnessing you, they can be themselves in your presence after about an hour of working with her, she was on the floor. In fact, I think I have the, I have the video on my YouTube channel. You can see her. It's about a two minute video and she's on her back with her hands, hands on her eyes, basically crying, laughing, going, <laughs> what, what is this? What? She's like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> and, I, and I asked her more specifically, wait, what do you mean? What's happening is, is like, how's the, 
what's tell me more. She's like, the bad is gone. And she was so inundated by all the stuff. Like, you know, we talked about financial and romantic mm-hmm. parenting and, uh, and, and living like all of those are such huge fears that, that put the body into such a contorted state that we disconnect. And so all I did was help her reconnect to herself. And then she's like, this is as good as I felt in four years. Wow. And it was just, she's like, this is, she's like, this is joy. I had, she's like, I didn't even know this was possible in tears and just tears and, and she's like, this is the most amazing thing ever. And all we did was a couple of real specific focus, breath, postural maneuvers to help her aim in the area of where her own spinal cord, what I call the organ of inner knowing, like to get her aimed close to her inner knowing. And then what I did was I felt into myself and I rested my focus on her. So now you have two of us. Mm-hmm. two of us focusing lightly on her and when the two or more are gathered in whatever divine miraculous name <laughs> you've got the best chance because i didn't know what was going to happen i'm not doing mm-hmm. this i'm just showing up with a little bit of information about how we're designed and how i'm designed and doing the best i can and it was enough for her to have a coming home experience yeah it's amazing so it is. And then I got the front row seat again to somebody, you know, to like, holy smokes, this is amazing. And then, you know, and then it's not a, not necessarily a one-time fix. She's, she's probably back in, she's probably back in the turmoil of her life right now. Because mm-hmm. anybody listening to this know, like, you know, I, there's no lottery ticket or she didn't get a lottery ticket and I wasn't a lottery ticket. So sometimes um, we're not in a place where, we can do this every single day or we don't think we deserve it. Hmm. Right. She may have had, she may have a lot of pain, a lot of shame. And so she doesn't think she deserves it. Or just like in my be here now experience from 30 years ago, I didn't, it was so profound and such a different reality of me experiencing myself as part of this present moment creation that I knew the next day it would be gone. Hmm. And so, it was, you know, as I think, you know, you and I have talked about, like, what's the path now, now that we've seen a glimpse, mm-hmm. how do we, how do we keep aiming ourselves back to, um, that experience of knowing or the yeah. or, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, going back to the uh, workshop, um, after doing all the stuff, then, um, just, it was so great to be around everyone else because, we are all feeling this together and then uh, being together, we, we just talk about, you know, traumas and relationships and life. It's just this work, you know, the feeling that safety and that, that bliss in your body that allows you to feel safe to then um, process your, your, your traumas and, and using your, using your mind at that point um, in conjunction with feeling safety in the body uh, to deal with these things. Um, but like, you know, um, it's like you deal with one thing, then there, there's always more layers. There's more traumas underneath. And so it's a, it's an ongoing process. It's not just like a one time you healed, everything's perfect. And you, like you said, you, ha- when you go back into your normal life and things are rough, you have to learn how to integrate and, um, and how to, how to deal with life, um, through, through all that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's such a, it's a, a really critical point to, um, which 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 
to me reminds me of this concept of a sangha or a, um, that we, you know, back to the statement, two or more gathered in my name. Like we can, in our, especially in the U.S., our culture is we are lone wolf. We can do it all ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that is the quickest and fastest way back into confusion. Mm-hmm. And if, if we can find and really be really careful, as, as careful as we can about the people that we put around us, because they're going to reflect, they're going to mm-hmm. reflect some reality back to, you know, back to us. Is it, and it, I never really understood that statement years ago when I heard that we really are, we represent the five people that are closest to us. Hmm. Um, and, and now um, I, I, you know, I see it more that if I actually have, if I, I surround myself with, you know, do I have a good therapist, right? Who is, who takes time out of their life to become so specialized in sitting and reflecting back to the person when mm. maybe a closer picture of reality about what they are and what their potential is so that, that, that I can then wake up to like, oh my gosh, I seduced myself into this other mm-hmm. you know, nightmare about myself. Um, and, and who can then take care, help me take care of my body and who can help me see maybe dietarily and, and, and play like what kind of play do I, am I wired to like so who are my for me like my dirt bike buddies my my, my motocross buddies like none, most of those guys don't give a hoot about energetic yoga whatever mm-hmm. and so we don't talk about that but i'm actually feeding myself and my soul by hanging out with guys that have a, a, a similar wiring in terms of like needing to run this type of energy in, in real physical exchange mm-hmm. so so really honoring your design in a number of different ways by surrounding yourself in, a, in an intentional, you know, community. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously as we can entrain with, you know, people who have um, healthy nervous systems, we can do the opposite and, um, you know, and, and have a negative effect. So, I mean, I'm totally with, with you, um, you know, surround yourself with people that, uh, can can help you, but of course, the healthier we are, the more we can hopefully you know help other people who are you know not not as healthy and um, you know not just isolate yourself. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's important to to surround yourself with good people. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good that's a good point. Is because if you're only there is um, there is an incredible reward that comes with you taking some part of your life and being that centered person to witness somebody else, to help them, to help them back into mm-hmm. themselves. Okay. Right. At some point, like, like the analogy that, that, um, you know, if, if we're a culture of lone wolves, we think about ourselves as like individual atoms and that we're kind of, we're the, we're the top, you know, the human, the, we're the top mm-hmm. of the chain, we're the top of the evolutionary chain. But what if, we are individual atoms and that we actually uh, what do what atoms do is that we actually connect up into a molecule. And if we treat ourselves like an integral part of uh, a human molecule, mm-hmm. then not only do we have access to our own personal pleasures and desires and maybe sufferings, but we also have access to the molecular intelligence is kind of what I, what I call it. Mm. And so by really vibrating in a, in a, quantum, I guess, uh, you know, quantum entanglement 
entrained mm-hmm. uh, way. Um, it's one of the it's a it's one of the most generous and loving, caring things we can do for ourselves. But then, but then we actually notice the others. We notice the other bird who's fallen out of the flock, mm-hmm. and that we recognize. Okay, well, how do we get the bird back in the flock? Mm-hmm. You know, we know that our design is how do we get how do we get close to that person? Mm-hmm. How does that person? Because we don't want to. It's not necessarily what what they're thinking, but how do we get get close to that person and help their body feel seen? Because mm-hmm. when their body feels seen, they then on the inside start to have the experience of, oh, because remember the healing isn't from us or from right. the other person, right? It's when we get in proximity to each other, then that's the best chance of that person actually experiencing themselves returning to a miraculous whole. And that's great because it takes the it takes the pressure off of us to to do something to somebody else. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, this has been awesome. Is there any lasting words of wisdom you'd give to the audience? <laughs> you know, um, yeah, um, I didn't realize the the power that my self, whatever this divine body, mind, miracle had, I didn't realize the the role it could play as a catalyst in somebody else's full mm. life change. And I didn't actually realize that until I was given the opportunity, right? And I had to learn it as a doctor, as a chiropractor, and given it to particular technique. But it's not until I, I actually started interacting with others. Um, and, and the reason why I'm teaching yoga now and not... Um, not you know really pursuing the the, the more specific and um, medical um, chiropractic avenue is because um, there are some of these really simple things that we can do for each other. You know whether you're a therapist um, and you want to include an embodiment component to your practice, or you're a yoga instructor and in addition to helping the person find the specific alignment having a couple of these key pieces of where does their Jalandhara Bandha, which is the in the neck or the Mula Bandha, like what are a couple of these things that you can help somebody, a loved one or a client do? Um, and then how, what can you do with your focus and your attention and your own posture that can give this other person and, and at the same time, give yourself mm-hmm. you know, the, the miracle of an actual experience where you're like, holy smokes, this is what I've been on this planet for. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I put together, you know, I put together this inner knowing energetics course, which is how I know you and how I've been, you know, fortunate enough to know you. And now some of your friends um, was just because like, I, I was like, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but I know I've come across a couple of these tools, uh, these yoga tools that in whatever profession, you know, have, or whatever you want to do can be really helpful to learn. So there's a, um, yeah, so I have a, you know, like you said, the tribe of empaths um, on Instagram, and there's a YouTube channel, which I think it's just Craig Walker 166. Um, and as I, as I come out with the next iteration of the online course, it's really just showing people how do we get back closer to our own design um, so we can actually live this experience of a energetic or a spiritual or religious, or, you know, something like this. Uh, experience and then whether it's just you want to do it want to learn about it yourself for yourself for your loved ones or your profession that seems to be uh, for me congruent with my own 
biggest fascination, which, which was me getting back to be here now from that mushroom trip mm-hmm. years ago. And, uh, and it's just what I am always thinking about. And so it's just, it's, it's my, it's my little project. And so that's, if anybody real resonates with, uh, with what we've been talking about here and the, and I and wants to learn more about it, then that's, you know, that's, that's how we do it. Awesome. Uh, I'll make sure I'll put uh, some of your links on uh, the show notes. Um, I really appreciate having you here and all the uh, words of wisdom uh, you shared and obviously uh, appreciate all you've done for me in my own life and uh, grateful to uh, know you. Well, thanks Kendall. I, I uh, really appreciate you taking the time out and doing and and this service that you're putting together i know putting together a podcast is not easy and i've tried to do do it myself and so you you getting all the way out here and then and then continuing to work at it and then just having you in the inner knowing community um it was such a incredible gift for me to have you and and in the group here you know whenever it was two weeks Mm -hmm. ago and getting to meet you know some of you in, in person that just uh, it's just such a, 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 a such a great reality check against some of the 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 you know the fears about oh the you know the mm. world's going downhill like to really get to have good humans around me is just such mm-hmm. a sweet gift. So yeah, it's powerful. It's healing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you.